Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Hi, this is Mimi with Fruition, and the podcast you are listening to is part of the Osiris Network. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. They'll be doing many live events this summer around the country, which will include artist interviews, contests, and more. Sign up for the newsletter at OsirisPod.com to stay in the loop. 
Hey everybody, welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is a quick hit for last night's show, August 3rd, 2018 in Alpharetta, Georgia. This is Matt here and uh, on the line I have Arthur. Hey Arthur, how's it going today, man? Uh, doing well, Matt. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I got to uh, watch that amazing show from the couch last night. You were lucky enough to be there. So we're going to talk about that um, in just a second. I wanted to give uh, everybody a couple of quick updates uh, here for this Saturday afternoon. If you weren't already aware, we are doing another couch report tonight. Uh, it'll be before the, the second night of Alpharetta starts out, about an hour before the band comes on, 7 p.m., uh, we will be live on uh, YouTube. If you go to youtube.com slash relics channel, you can find us there. Um, we'll also be on Facebook Live. And if you follow us on social media, uh, that'll be real easy to find us later. It's going to be me and RJ and Jonathan. Uh, so uh, three quarters of the Helping Friendly podcast team together uh, to, to break down last night's show a little in a little bit more detail. Talk about how the show is going or the, uh, the tour is going so far. And we're going to have some special guests like Ryan from TraysGuitarRig.com uh, and a few other uh, folks joining us to talk about um, their impression of how the tour is going so far. So um, join us for that. If you're having a couch tour party or something like that, it's the perfect way to get started before the band comes on. The other thing I wanted to um, make everybody aware of is that I know there's a lot of you out there who uh, probably you know were planning on going to Curveball and didn't get your tickets, probably said, hey, it holds so many people, that thing will never sell out. Out. Uh, you know, the dead had like 600,000 people there. So I'm just going to, you know, roll up and I'll probably get a wristband for free or cheap or something. Well, that's not happening, right? Because the, the thing is totally sold out. But there is a way for you to still get in if you're not able to find uh, somebody to sell you a wristband. Um, the work exchange team is looking for people to help them out. Um, if you're interested in that, go to workexchangeteam.com slash curveball. Uh, and those guys will get you set up to, uh, to, to come to work your way into the festival. All right, enough of that. Um, so let's get back to last night in Alpharetta. So um, Arthur, uh, I think that the general impression, uh, at least what I can tell from watching the show uh, for the, from the webcast last night and, and talking to some people on the internet uh, between last night and today is that they kind of hit a home run. Is that, uh, are you in agreement of, with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. That was a pretty, um, you know, balls to the wall fish show last night, right from the start. I kind of knew that, yeah, I kind of knew that, I'd heard some people were rumbling about, you know, where's first two been this tour, and so I sort of figured it would come in Alpharetta, but I was not expecting it to open the show like that. Um, I find that a lot of times my favorite fish is the unpredictable fish, and so from the very first note to the first tube, I was like, all right, here we go, let's see what happens tonight, and it paid off tenfold. Excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, my impression was that it, it was almost like a different band showed up. Um, not that, uh, you know, the West Coast swing wasn't great or anything like that, but um, there was a kind of a level of enthusiasm and, um, and, and uh, you know, amazing playing from all the guys, particularly Trey, that um, we hadn't necessarily seen this tour. So um, let's talk about the first set, which was pretty crazy and got 
going right away. You mentioned first tube as an opener, which hasn't happened in a few years. Uh, no man in no man's land, and then into that ghost. And tell me a little bit about uh, you know your reaction to the ghost, and maybe what it was like watching it there in the room. Well, so it was cool. So you know, at first tube, no man's opens it up. Like the tone is really being set. Like all right, the band's here to throw down a little bit, and then ghost starts, and you know the whole place erupts in cheers and joy. And, you know, they get through the song, they start to do the jam, and all of a sudden it just starts going off and keeps going off and keeps going off. And I remember thinking during this, um, I, I sort of find that a lot of times when I go back to listen to Fish, I tend to go to my old reliable favorites. I end up listening to The Hood from a live one, or I end up listening to The Ventura Bowie. Um, but I remember thinking as the jam and ghost was happening last night that I'll be listening to this jam over and over for many decades to come. <laughs> Yeah, there was um, multiple kind of unique sections to it. Um, you know, it, it, it had a dark phase and then it had a kind of a blissed out peaky phase. Um, surprised that the longest jam of the night would come in the first set and so early in the first set, too. Um, it seemed like, you know, there was some pent up energy or something from not playing much in the past week, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of nice. After L.A., they had a two-day break before Austin. They got to play one night, and then they had a two-day break before Atlanta. So I think, you know, that always kind of primes the band, especially if they've been traveling a lot like they were all up and down the West Coast. And Fish also just seems to come to Atlanta and just shred it pretty much every time they come here. I can't think of the last time there was an Atlanta show that, you know, wasn't sort of universally beloved. Uh Especially including, you know, the first Alpharetta shows back in 2010 where they did, you know, the Harpua and Killing in the Name of and all that stuff. So it's like I feel like every time they come to this town, they just show up firing on all cylinders and are just ready to go. And, yeah, getting a 22-minute jam in a ghost in a first set, you know, early in a first set even, I think, you know, (laughs) surprised a lot of people, including myself, and kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. That's kind of a high bar for the band to set so early in the show and then not keep hitting it and somehow they found a way to keep hitting it yeah yeah absolutely they they kept up the energy um you know really really strongly um i noticed ghost was one of those uh songs a lot of people have been commenting about how they tend to wrap up the songs or kind of you know get back to the um the head of the song at the end um instead of kind of you know letting the jam be a little bit more open-ended um that was one of those uh examples last night in the ghost where they they kind of ended the ghost after that 22 minutes of of magic um so then we get into all of these dreams uh great rarity from uh from round room um back on the train free into martian monster then the tube was pretty crazy i mean tell him tell me about the tube it seemed like it was probably a dance party in there yeah i was down in the pit last night and everywhere i looked people were just getting down no one was talking everyone was excited because we got first tube and tube in the same set so that built a little bit of you know i don't know the rarity aspect of fish the unpredictable unpredictable aspect i mentioned earlier that i really love and as soon as they hit the jam it was like trey kicked on that mutron pedal that he has and it just got like out there like channeling jerry vibes from the 70s or stevie wonder or anyone else that just tends to use those envelope filtered style tones and it just you know it wasn't necessarily the longest tube but it would it packed a punch it was highly concentrated is how i would call that tube 
Yeah, and I think um, what I was noticing was how amazing Fishman's playing was uh, in that one. Um, and it seemed to me like the tempos were a little up from the rest of the tour. Like some, some people have been complaining about some of the songs being a little bit slow, but I don't think you could make that statement last night. Everything seemed like it had a lot of pep. I don't know if that's just because they were well-rested or if they made a conscious decision to play a little faster, but um, everything was just a little bit more peppy and, and energetic from, from what I could tell. Yeah, it seemed like that to me, me too. Um, I'd heard some of those uh, comments about some of the earlier shows in this tour, but yeah, maybe some of the songs being a slower tempo, but I didn't pick up on anything like that in any song last night. You know, I felt like everything was at a proper tempo to get everyone moving, everyone excited, and that tempo pretty much continued through the whole show. You know, they gave us the obvious, you know, what I would call the slow songs for a break here and there, but even the slow songs still shredded. Yeah. So then we wrap up with 555 and then Walls of the Cave, which, um, you know, nothing crazy there except that, as with some of the other songs, just really energetic, um, little little maybe extra mustard on there, as they like to say. Um, great way to, to end the first set. Um, any, th- any other kind of general thoughts about the first set, things we didn't, we didn't cover yet? Um, I'm a big fan of Prey's outfit from last night. I think the white pants and the light blue shirt. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I always tend to notice their outfits, and then I always correlate their outfits to how the show goes. And so when Trey came out in, you know, all white and light blue, I was like, all right, <laughs> this is different than normal, so maybe this will be a different show than normal, too. And I think it was. Yeah, it almost seems like maybe uh, Mike is pushing Trey to step up his fashion game a little bit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there was some show out west where Paige wore some octopus shirt that the rumor was that Mike had picked it out for him. So hopefully Mike's inspiring the guys to, I don't know, do whatever to their wardrobe, maybe just get out of their normal boxes with it. But yeah, it's like sort of a running joke with me and my friends about, yeah, we are, we're always commenting on the band's outfits and excited to see what they're wearing. So yeah, when Trey came out in white jeans and a blue shirt, I was like, oh, this is different. Should be good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so um, then on to the second set, we've got um, Tweezer into Blazon into Prince Caspian, Carini, Simple, Winter Queen, Harry Hood. So six song second set, pretty amazing song selection there, if you ask me. Um, what were your highlights from the second set? My highlight was definitely the Carini, which I'm guessing is a pretty common opinion. I mean, I'm pretty sure the jam broke 20 minutes. It was danceable, it was funky, it was dark, it was spacey, it was like, it had like a little bit of everything. It was like, it was like a perfect buffet of fish. It was like everything that everyone looks for in certain fish jams, I feel like that Carini had all of it. And yeah, it was just, it was perfectly placed too. I mean, just, yeah, as you said, the whole flow of that set, it was just a perfect set list choice. Everything seemed to flow. Every song got the crowd excited. Winter Queen maybe gave some people a break. That song starts off a little bit quieter than maybe some of the other songs. But then by the end, it's just, you know, Trey melting everyone's face off again. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, the the Carini was amazing. It got me up off the couch and dancing uh, here alone in my in my basement. Um, so um, I was definitely digging that. And the, the funny thing is that you can almost overlook the, the first part of the set with the tweezer, which was fantastic, uh, and then and plays on right after that. Um, so really, I mean, that that whole run from tweezer up until you finally get a little bit of a breather with Winter Queen was was pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as, as soon as those first notes of tweezers started, you know, the crowd lights up, the glow sticks start going, the jam got weird and far out, and then Blazon wasn't the longest version, but definitely 
got pretty far out there towards the end of that jam, too. And just kept going. Caspian, I thought, was a perfect fit. Um, I'm a huge Caspian fan. That really got me hyped. You know, standing there with my arms around my friends, we're swaying back and forth. It was kind of it's kind of a hilarious scene. And then Karini drops, and it's just like, oh, here's another explosion for everyone. Nice. Um, and then we end with Harry Hood. And it, I, I don't know if you agree, but uh, the Harry Hoods this year have been fantastic. It seems like they they take it a little bit little just a little bit outside the box each time and and there's nothing straightforward about these and last night was the same yeah totally you know i mean it was the most fitting set ender that i could think of i mean nothing else really would have capped i mean i well i mean maybe there's other songs but harry hood was a perfect choice for that slot and yeah they just like you could tell the band was feeling the jam it like left the box a little bit but kept that sort of you know traditional type one hood ragingness I don't know what you call it I feel like hood pulls my heartstrings a lot especially the jam when Trey is just you know letting it all hang out through his guitar and I was feeling that from him last night yeah yeah definitely um and I noticed uh earlier in the show you could see um the the piece of tape next to Trey's uh, pedals on the ground pretty clearly in one of the shots on the webcam said um, uh, strict 11.30 curfew. And I was looking at the clock as they came back for the encore and it was like 11.29. So they, they had to fit something in real f- quick there. And we got just a, um, a, a short uh, action-packed version of more, which I believe I'm, I'm doing this uh, without – uh, data here, but I think that was the first time that Moore has appeared in the encore. Usually a first set closer, but it seemed kind of um, appropriate as a, as a show closer as well. Did that kind of bring things to a, a nice end for you? Yeah, definitely. And I think you're right about that. Um, I'm pretty sure at Biz Archive, Scott Marks had informed everyone that, yeah, this was the first time that Moore was a closer. I mean, you know, what's not to like about going out with a bunch of love and light? It's, you know, after after Fish showed us nothing but love and light all night with that show, it was the perfect, you know, nightcap to it all. Sweet. So I assume that you're uh, there for the whole weekend. Um, is that is that true? You're going tonight and tomorrow? Yep, I'll be there tonight and tomorrow, and then uh, roll into Merryweather next weekend as well. Oh, excellent, excellent. We'll uh, we'll see you at Merryweather. At least RJ and myself are going to be there at, for both nights of uh, of those shows. Um, any kind of parting thoughts or predictions for tonight's show? You know, with the band sort of doing a lot of unpredictable set lists this tour, I don't have a lot of predictions. I'm always looking for a 2001 and a Reba, but I'm not necessarily predicting those for tonight. Really, my only prediction for tonight is everyone's going to have a blast and rage and have a ton of fun with their friends. And yeah, for anyone else out there that hasn't seen Fish yet or is questioning it this summer, go see them this summer. It's good. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I know with uh, it felt to me like last night was a turning point in the tour and I got really excited for uh, my run. I haven't seen anything on the tour yet. I'm really excited for for the run of shows coming up starting next week. So, um, Arthur, if we were to uh, leave our audience with a little clip from last night, what do you think we should uh, let them listen to? Well, I've got to go with the ghost and I don't have like the timings of the jam in front of me to know which part. But anyone out there listening Please do yourself a favor and listen to that ghost jam. It's it's the truth. Sweet. Well, we'll throw a little bit on the uh, on the end here. Um, so thank you for for joining us and taking some time. I know it's always rough when you're out uh, on the road to um, to jump off of the fish train and connect with the real world for a couple minutes. So we we appreciate you uh, talking to us and, and uh, giving your opinion on the show last night. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. 
Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me, and uh, I'll look forward to meeting you next weekend. Excellent. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Okay.